Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Hello, listeners. Hello, Mum, <laughs> is she a fan of the show? No, I mean she isn't even aware I do it. Oh, why? Why do you keep this such a such a hidden secret from your own mother? Uh, I I I don't know, David. I'm feeling a bit poorly. I've got a bit of a cold or something. I'm sorry to hear that. You've been filming things at night, haven't you? I've been filming in the woods at night. But professionally, not just I've been paid wandering around there to film in the woods and in a. Uh, in a f- I've got a really really tiny part which will probably get cut out of a film that's going to be out next year and it was filming at uh, uh, I suppose I can talk about it it's all about festivals so it was actually filming out in a boggy muddy festival pretty horrific <laughs> hey but it's a film isn't it what, are you allowed to tell us what it's called well, I don't think so well, okay fine Sorry, I hate being those people. I really hate that. No, no, no. But you don't want to be. Like, I can't say it. I say, well, why'd you even bring it up in the first place, you stupid prick? That's what I'd be saying to myself right now. Well, I'm you are. Saying, you yeah, are saying it. To you are. Oh, I'm doing a secret thing. How are you? Well, just keep it to yourself until you can talk about it. Or you. Oh, I can't believe I'm that person. <laughs> you've I'm become, really upset. You've myself. become the very thing you despise. Oh God. Uh, we we are here to talk about films. How weird. We actually started talking about films normally it's a lot of nonsense isn't it complete bollocks yeah but no films straight out the bat but before we talk about the films we've seen at the cinema we should say we are sponsored by Her Film Project who are an organisation that help promote diversity in films so if you're interested in such things or think they might be able to help you then go to herfilmproject.com and follow Her Film Project on Twitter good good now, Marek has been to the cinema this week to see one of the big releases. Uh, why don't you tell us about it, Marek? I went to cinema in Bristol. That's a bit of a way to go. Well, that's where I was working. I oh, went during nice. the day, the Showcase Cinema. Yeah. And I neglected to buy myself my bag of popcorn and Coca-Cola. Right. So I had to buy them in cinema. £8 for me. £8.50. Yeah, that's how they get you. So the markup is huge, isn't it? Yeah. I need to invent something like popcorn, where you just... It must be about 200 times the value they sent it for. That yeah. must cost them about three pence. Yes. And I was really annoyed 
that the lady didn't shake up my salt and sweet popcorn. There was no shaking up. Mm. And it was all salt on the top for quite... A, not even layered. Until you've had far too much salt. Yeah. And then the sweet kicks in. And until you've had far too much yeah. It was just literally sweet at the bottom, then still on top. And I think for eight pounds, whatever, five pounds for that, is, is a not, I wasn't pleased. No. No. I was reading, I may have to, stop me if I've talked about this on the show before, but I was reading about a new cinema subscription service that somebody's piloting in, and trying to be the Netflix of cinema. Have I talked to you about this? Where, I can't remember its name, I'm afraid, I'll have to Google it, but where the idea is you have what is basically a credit card that you you pay £10 a month and you pay for your cinema tickets with it and that's all it costs you is £10 a month unlimited cinema tickets and popcorn uh, no this is uh, this is the thing um, and so actually the cinemas don't want it really to happen um, but it's uh, the the what the, and it will be a lost leader at the moment because of course if you go to the cinema and they, the company ends up paying more than ten quid a month for you then they're making a loss but what they want to do is actually change people's expectations of how much cinema tickets cost therefore screwing the cinemas over and forcing them to give this company a share of their popcorn and drinks revenue in order to keep people going to the cinema because if people are used to spending a tenner a month and they can see anything they like. That's what they'll get used to, and then if the company goes bust, someone will say, "Well, it's thirteen pounds to see this one film," and people will go, "Well, I won't bother then." I don't work. What? How do the films make money? So, say you're a member of the pitch house, which I am. Mm. You get four free tickets. You uh, and I use those tickets on. Uh, say, I go and see Spunk Bus. Yeah, Spunk Bus. Yeah. And how does Spunk Bus make any money then from that free ticket? Uh, from cinema, the free ticket well, does the cinema, I assume the cinema takes the hit on that because or they'll have a deal with how many free tickets they can give away but they they take a cut on every ticket don't they so the film gets a percentage of of the price of, oh, yeah or, box office or a set fee well the, the presumably different deals for different films and this is part of the job of negotiating that with the cinema chains can someone email in and tell us how it all works? Yeah, I'd, be, I'd genuinely be fascinated to know from somebody who actually does this for a living or knows somebody who does. How do how do films make money in the cinema? And what percentage do they get? And what happens with the fluctuating prices? Is that just a cinema making that you know mo- more money when it's a Friday night than it is on a matinee? Or I don't know. Absolutely. If most people go to see a film on a Tuesday when the tickets are cheaper. Does that is that film less successful in the ratings? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've just asked questions. You probably come to this podcast to find answers, but we're not those guys. We We will find no answers in this podcast. You will find dog noises, um, sirens, police sirens, but possibly some sneezing, and occasionally Marek might elbow the drinks cabinet and make a clanging noise, which has been a new addition. How how many times have I done that? Um, I think it's two weeks in a row now. It's because um, we've, the seating arrangements have moved. They have changed a bit. Um, you've been to the cinema? Yes. In Before, Bristol? Yeah, and I went to the Showcase Cinema, and I was almost the only person in about a 500-seater. Wow. Until the very last second, someone walked in and sat down the front. It's a, it's an odd feeling, isn't it? Very strange. It does change hugely when there's just one other person there, even if they don't even notice you're there. 
but normally I yeah I wish I'd it's, it would have been the first time in a long while that I've been the only person there but it was just me and another person uh, before that my friend was telling me or someone who worked on the film I was working on of a place in Bristol a video store this could be a new way of watching films so like the old blockbuster but a sort of independent one yes and it's got every single film ever made what yeah they said they've got every single film ever made yeah on a copy of it and do you know what you can do what's brilliant is they've got a little screening room I don't know if it's illegal or not which you could hire for £25 and it seats about 10 people so you can go with your mates that's £2.50 each yeah hire out the whole room with a projector in it and they play and watch a film in this private screening room. Any film ever? Any film ever. Where's what this? What a brilliant thing to do. It's in Bristol. I can't remember what it's called because it was literally, I was on a night shoot and it was at four o'clock in the morning. I could barely say my name. <laughs> but is it quite a famous video? If you look at video uh, video stores or shops in Bristol, uh, it'll, be, it'll be there. But what a great idea. There's some in London as well, apparently. Sounds fantastic. I mean, I would... Be, I'm very sceptical they've got every film ever I mean a lot of them will only be on VHS and that's a lot of storage space you need for that well I don't know I can't verify that or deny that anyway um, is that right anyway I went to see a film let's get to it I went to see Borg versus McEnroe not to be confused with its original title Borg McEnroe <laughs> <laughs> which is about John McEnroe being assimilated by the Borg Yes. And becoming a part of their collective and adding it's, his uniqueness to their own. Yeah, it's whether McEnroe was a robot during his uh, whole right. career, which is a much more exciting film. But, but they changed it to be just about one tennis match, right? That would be great, Borg McEnroe. <laughs> a, a, taking, a, taking a real tennis match and questioning whether that person was a cyborg. Make it redoing the history that he was a robot. Such disrespect for a historical tennis match. <laughs> that would ah. be great, redoing that. He's a whole, the whole story, as you don't know, is that he's a robot. Yeah. So, Borg McEnroe, we're in much better. Anyway, as it stands, Borg versus McEnroe yes. is the retelling of the infamous, I mean, rivalry between Borg, uh, Bjorn Borg, the Swedish cool tennis player, and everyone knows who John McEnroe is, the American sort of uh, uh, um, rough and ready, sweary tennis player. Was this the famous match where he had a, an epi? No, he he did not. He, he he did in this tournament. So this is Wimbledon, nineteen eighty. So this is the you cannot be serious tournament. Yeah. So it was during that he really uh, came to the fore by sort of swearing and saying you cannot be serious and smashing his racket. So we're in frustration. And but now we have Hawkeye technology, don't we? So that stops all of this. Yeah. I, this would not Hawkeye's exist now. one of my favourite bits of tennis now going oh, oh that's brilliant a circle that's a one that in cricket as well there are two examples is it called Hawkeye in cricket yeah right. two examples of technology actually benefiting the game especially Foot, in tennis football would love it as well if it was a one of those where it bounces off the they do have that. they've got them in there do they yep yeah. they've got they've got the uh, sense goal of line there. technology yeah I didn't know they'd actually brought in it in. the last couple of years, they've got it. Ah. There have been a couple of instances where they say, I think they communicate we're on Radio 2. Well, that's nine boring, time. though. They should they should put it on the screen like they do at Wimbledon. I think they do do that. I think they do. Okay. Have, I've seen it when they put it on the screen. I think well, football's already thought of everything I'm saying, then. Yeah. Well done, football. Well done, football. Now, the... how is Borg McEnroe? Who's in it? Okay, so uh, Bjorn Borg is played by... Severe Goodnesson, who's a Swedish actor, I didn't recognise him for anything. But wh- why he's in it is he looks almost exactly like Bjorn Borg. Okay, 
He's an extraordinarily similar looking bloke, so he's clearly got that part. Shia Booth plays John McEnroe. Really? Yeah. Okay. And quite, quite well. well he's uh, he's a bit shouty and mad, isn't he? Yeah. The problem is, when you've got sports stars who are so... I mean, John McEnroe is so well known, it's almost impossible to sort of play, you know... <laughs> to yeah. play him because he's such a yeah. massive personality whereas Bjorn Borg was quite quiet and didn't really say anything so a much easier uh, part to play um, so this film was well made it's probably the best you could make a tennis film but the limitations are <laughs> Bjorn Borg was well known for being the cool headed virtually silent tennis player you know never said anything never got roused by anything so it sort of follows him for his history and how he changed became that became that sort of player prior you know quite like a Borg yes but when you've got protagonist who is fundamentally emotionless mm. it's quite difficult to make the film yeah. interesting okay, so he is the lead in it it's not McEnroe it's sort of McEnroe and Borg sort of equally spread but the way they get around Borg not really having a personality is to get Stellan Skarsgård to play his coach Okay. so suddenly his scenes are a lot more interesting purely because Stellan Skarsgård's probably got an inflated role of someone doing all the acting against this cold figure telling him how he feels well yeah so it, that is a, that you could tell it's just <laughs> mainly a device to make yeah. put some life into it um, well the, the problem is there's it's really difficult to make a good film about sport because the whole great thing about sport is it's live and it's happening then. When do you ever go and watch a match or something, you, a sporting event that you already know the score to? Yeah. No. The whole point. The whole point of it is that it's live and the players have have got an emotional investment. in Yeah, them. you cannot know the outcome, otherwise it is a bit dull. Yeah. So I sort of knew the outcome. And it's like it's why I never watch anything about the Second World War. I know how it ends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's done well, but also my other problem is when you've got actors, you're redoing a famous Wimbledon game. You've got actors playing sport. You don't really want to watch actors playing sport unless it's real sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't see, and that's a very tenuous definition of the word actor. Yeah. You, you don't see people doing great you know they're just actors hitting the ball about yeah. trying to make it look exciting whereas actually it's like, oh he looks he he looks convincingly good at tennis and you can't really follow any of the rallies you just have a lots of different shots so crane shots side shots you know close up slow mos all this trying to make it look interesting they they tried every single you know, a, a method of trying to make tennis look glamorous and interesting. But what you're doing is just watching people uh, hit ball across a net. And because you can't show individual points, really, it struggles to get that level of excitement. So that's a pro- I mean, it's fundamentally flawed. Right. The good sports films, I think, Major League and Bull Durham, when they're not really about the games, they're more about the personalities and the team. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to make a good sports film or their documentary so Senna one of the greatest uh, sports most most sports films but the greatest sports films of all time is basically using real life footage you know proper footage from the time all yes. uh, edited together I think a documentary is always much more interesting has a huge advantage over making films so this film um, you know 
I quite enjoyed it, but it's never more than a five or six marriage because we're just watching something that could have been more interesting if it was a documentary. Right. I mean, John McEnroe is more interesting than Shia LaBeouf playing John McEnroe. Right. I'd rather him, him yes. see, hear him yes. talk about it and say what happened and have old photos. Yeah. And it's interesting at the end when all the old photos come up, they're more interesting than bits from the film. You know, you see the, the yeah. 80s stuff. But I've got to say the costume was brilliant and it's fascinating to see them replicate all the 80s looks and the, the exact the sports stuff they're wearing yeah, and you yeah. see it on the on the photos afterwards. Well, in November, actually, Battle of the Sexes is coming out. So there's clearly been a thing in America about making a film about tennis. Battle That's the Billie Jean, Jean, Jean King, King yeah. uh, thing with uh, Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, because that obviously has quite a lot of baggage, as in of... There's a greater battle going on than yeah, just and, a and tennis look, match. And it looks more interesting. Yes. It look, it's not about that. It's about you know sexism in, in sport. Yeah. Whereas this was about a tennis match and Bjorn Borg's and John McEnroe's history, but not really... Which wasn't especially interesting. Right. So how many marriages? Five or six. Five or six, okay. So watch some tennis, is what you're saying. Well, you watch this film, then you just go back... And look on YouTube and watch the main, you know, the actual game, the actual bits, the highlights of the game. Yeah, and you think, well, that's probably a bit of an. And then watch some clips of Stellan Skarsgård. I think he's brilliant. He is excellent, isn't he? I love seeing him, and I find his voice really soothing. Yeah, no, he's very good. Well, there you go. There is uh, Borg versus McEnroe. Uh, maybe don't spend thirteen pounds on it. Yeah, just watch... Um, How much did the cinema tickets cost where our listeners live? Because I feel like it, they can't all cost as much as London these days. This was a, a matinee at 11 o'clock in Bristol at the showcase, and yeah. it was £8.50. Right. You know, under a tenner, I'm actually... I think that's all right for a film. I don't think it's... Uh, it's not... Not for 11 o'clock when there's two people in the cinema, you know. No, fiver. Fiver, I think. Yeah. But anyway, anyway... Yeah, why not tell us, actually? I would I would be interested how much a cinema ticket costs where you live. Go to filmfandango.com and let us know. Um, but in the meantime, I think it is time for this. Here is a message from Ian Seaburn about impassioning. He says, Hi, Marek, David and Buddy. I stumbled upon Film Fandango about three months ago and have just caught up with the present as I decided to start at episode 81 and listen to everything in release order. It's, wow. I mean, that's commitment. Um, it's been an interesting ride, made all the more enjoyable by me being able to connect the historical dots such as Marek's allusions to which to work which I remember subsequently seeing and David mentioning finishing a play for the radio which I also heard when transmitted strange how connected life is anyway after hundreds of hours spent in your company I figured it was only polite to make a donation and drop you an email to the main subject of this email my passion for cinema was ignited when I was a young boy in the mid 70s I was taken to see a double bill of the jungle book and one of our dinosaurs is missing. A spectacle I enjoyed so much I persuaded my parents to take me back the following night. However, I think my nerdy infatuation with film was really cemented when I started watching BBC Two's Movie Drome series in the mid-80s. 
the way in which Alex Cox spoke about the films we were about to watch and showed examples of cinema angles, shooting styles, sound design and other directorial decisions gave me a critical understanding that was heightened that has heightened my enjoyment of film ever since. Alas, Movie Drome no longer exists, and as such I'm on a quest to find a current equivalent. My son is 13 now, and a keen actor, mostly staged, but he has done a couple of short films. He's starting to get the movie bug, and I was wondering if you have any ideas as to programmes, documentary strands, or events that provide the type of informative and impassioning introduction to film that Alex Cox and Movie Drome did for me. Film Fandango is a source being a given, of, of course. Secondly, I wondered whether either of you, I'm guessing most probably Marek, has come across Micmax, the wonderful example of French contemporary whimsical fantasy from director Jean-Paul Genet. I'm something of a fan of Genet, especially The City of Lost Children, but I think Micmax may be my favourite, for which I'd be inclined to award ten Ians. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Sorry this is so long. I've had a lot to think about in the last 225 episodes. Keep watching the films. Ian. Well, if we could go to his second question... First, then, um, I, I'm a big fan of um, of Genet as well. Uh, La Cité de Les Enfants Perdus, or City of Lost Children, uh, I fell in love with when I was a teenager. I thought it was absolutely stunning. Um, have you seen it? A it, long time ago, yeah, yeah. And Delicatessen is another yeah. one of his, which is excellent. Uh, but I've not seen Micmacs, I've heard about it. It just something put me off it when it came to the, the sort of sci fi element of it. Right. And the title, what was it, about six or seven years ago? Yeah, let me look it up. But um, but I, I haven't seen it. But I should definitely watch it. Yes, I should. I just completely passed me by. I haven't even, haven't even thought to watch it. So thank you for that reminder. Two thousand and nine. So it was. I was uh, right. Six seven years. Yeah, eight yeah. Years ago. Um, also, any sources uh, of uh, film knowledge and uh, passion in order to go? I, I, I mean, I'm afraid I can't think of any. There's, a, there's a really good. I mean, the internet's a, uh, a wonderful YouTube thing. YouTube is, is amazing. There's a thing I occasionally watch for filming techniques called um, Film Riot, which has been going for quite a long time. It's uh, my friend, my friend Paul recommended it to me, and it's just got. Uh, um, it's just. Basically, how the tr- tricks with a tripod, tricks with light, how you film this, how you do that. So, for your son, might be really interested if he's making short films. It gives mm. you tips on how to do things for no money and do things quite cheaply. There's also a bloke who's about 20 years old called Simon Cade who makes these YouTube videos called DSLR Guide and they're ba- about filming things on the cheap. I mean, these aren't really, I suppose critical analysis of film and there's more technique as how you film with things or some industry secrets but yeah. I would look at Film Riot and DSLR Guide for I think more film rights probably thing of just analysing filmmakers and chatting you occasionally chat to um, who was he chatting to directors about how they how they make different um, films and things like that so yeah. it's it's a bit sometimes a bit loud in your face but I think that might might be your best I used to love when I was a kid reading about how uh, they did tricks or how, you know, just certain camera techniques and stuff, and then going out and trying to replicate them myself. You know, I remember making a green screen by um, buying a, a sheet and hanging it in a uh, window on a sunny day, and the backlitness of it actually made it very effective and stuff. And then you, you go, this is brilliant, I can do all of this yeah. stuff. There should be more in schools. I was fascinated by film, but you know, when you go to drama classes, no one teaches. 
film classes, I mean, people do it themselves, I suppose. Yeah. But I think it's a real skill to do doing all that business, but it's amazing what you can do now with, with cameras. It is, oh. it is. And we, we, we should probably mention in, in terms of Jean-Pierre Genet as well, um, obviously Alien Resurrection is another of his. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, it, f- for me, is... is um, it, it falls between two stools. It's not as bad as the It's recent. not as bad. It's just it doesn't feel like an alien film in the same way the previous ones did. I, and I, I blame the screenplay more than the director, actually, for that. It, it feels very comic booky because it's a Joss Whedon uh, script. Um, it feels very, you know, everyone's gagging and, and everything's a bit glossy. Yeah. Um, and then Amelie, obviously, is his most famous one, probably. Have you seen Amelie? Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh, I love a good rom-com. <laughs> you do, don't you? That's what yeah. people know about you. That's I, what they say. Have you met Marek? He loves a good rom-com. He can't stop going on about rom-coms. And um, how have you talked about Did you hear Mor- about the Morgans? <laughs> did, did you hear about the Morgans? Have you smelled about the Morgans? Have you smelled the Morgans? Where did you they meet the Morgans? Stick, stick of filth. Someone stick. tweeted in, I think it was Bill Boswell, that they've now removed it from Netflix after six months. <laughs> Did Probably. you stink about... Did you stink around the Morgans? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're running short on letters. Here's one from Smith Parkman. He writes, Did you receive the mail I sent to you? And that's it. <laughs> Well, you could probably uh, you could probably put it in the search and see if we did. No, we didn't. I don't think Smith Parkman. I don't Let's have think a look. we did. Smith Park. Did you received the? Did you received? He could be a bot. Smith Parkman doesn't sound like a name. It sounds like some sort of criminal Smith Parkman. Yeah, and it's both written in um, lower lowercase Smith and Potter's no punctuation. Mm, I think Smith. Did Park- you received? The mail I lowercase sent to you. No, I think that's a bot, Marek, trying to get a response from us so it then knows that this email address is a real email address. I. Listen, if you're out there, Smith Parkman, and you have written that <laughs> and you find it really hard to communicate and use grammar correctly <laughs> and the, uh, the, the capital letters, I apologise for us calling you a bot. Yeah. Smith Parkman could be going around sending letters like that, emails to everyone and no one ever applies no one ever and really What upset. a lonely life. Did you received? Did you receive the mail I sent to you? I just want to know if you got it or not. No one's no replied one replies. If you know Smith Parkman, tell him to <laughs> tell him to email in again with a bit more uh, information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the really, I might just save the the next letter for next week because we're running short again yes um, we are running short on letters so if you would like to write to us recommending a film or just you have an idea for a topic of discussion then go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form and if uh, and unlike Smith uh, Parkman it should get through to us oh, I have got one here for Brazil to talk about this is from Bill Boswell let's read this one ok fine um, you can read it because I'm, I'm going to think about Smith Parkman for a bit more ok yeah Okay, this is from Bill, and it's about cinema times. Hi, David, Ma- David Marrick and Buddy. My guilty pleasure is shark movies, and I recently wanted to see 47 Metres Down, but my cinema was only showing it at 8.30pm. I can only do day screening, so sadly missed seeing it. In fact, day screening seemed to be phased out altogether. The first performance of the big release, Mother, was 3.30pm, an earlier screening of a film in the entire cinema 
was 2 p.m. This is written very confusingly. When I first started going there, were 11. When I first started going, there were 11 a.m. showings, but these only appear now during the school holidays or weekends. What frustrates me is the lack of flexibility of cinemas. For example, Dunkirk was show, shown every hour, every day. My question is, why do cinemas not consider moving performances around during the week? Surely one day of the seven the evening only... <sighs> Sounds like one... Bill Boswell's letter has been written by Smith Parliament. It does. He's got an alias. Um, surely one day of the, of the seven, the evening only screening film could get an early performance by taking one of the blockbusters' ten showings a day to try and attract other customers. I didn't understand that at all. I did. Okay. It seems cinemas are happy to push performances out on Friday and not change any screening time, but could they be more flexible, or is it too difficult to change films once set up to play? Of course, this current no-change-to-performance-time format may work. I I sure day moviegoers are in minority, and I don't run a cinema. But I see less and less people at screenings now. I do worry for its future and think anything that could increase customers has to be worth a try. They certainly don't seem to want to reduce admission prices. Keep watching the films. Uh, well, thank you, Bill. Sorry I read that quite poorly, but you also wrote it quite poorly. Um, <laughs> That's not nice. There's not a lot of punctuation in there, Mary. He's probably so angry about the fact that he can't watch film ta- films at the times he wants to. You have to get out quickly. Just get it right into that into that keyboard. Uh, no, I, I, I understand your your concern. I, I have the same thing as well. When you go, oh, I can't go to that one. What's my alternative? 9.30 at night and I'll be getting home after midnight because there's so many bloody trailers and the film's too long. And it's like this, it, I'm sure it's coming back to our topic at the, begin, at the top of the programme where there's sort of... The, what time it'll be on is a deal with the owners of the film I don't, yeah I don't know whether it is or not I mean it, what Bill's saying totally makes sense to me is that you just change the time so there's a, a morning screening of different fit yeah. rather than being it's set in that every day is exactly the same for that week yes you just it's probably just easier for the for the um, cinema to tell the projectionist what time they need to do something yes rather than the hassle of changing the film but it can't nowadays they're all sent on files aren't they computer files I thought I would have thought so. They're all on a computer thing that they unlock. There's certainly not they a, can, a reel of film being spooled. Yeah, so you just have to go, just be more work. It's probably the simple fact that it's more work for them to reset all these things daily, I would, I would imagine. Mm. But it, I think it makes total sense to have different times for each films. Or a screen, and these multi-screen cinemas, where a flex, one screen is just flexible times. Yeah. So you, you have all those other screens set where with their time I don't know and you've got screen five where you're changing the time each time. But I only go during during the day now because I just can't stand other people. So <laughs> I just literally go in the, in the mornings or early afternoons. So right. if you want to murder me, that's probably the best time to do it. Hey, murder fans, <laughs> here's a willing victim for you. He's helping you out. Um, have you seen a film? I have seen a film, Marek. I saw one on Netflix called Gerald's Game Um, this is part of the Stephen King resurgence we feel to be in the middle of at the moment Uh, what with I think Stranger Things basically 
mashing all of Stephen King's stories together into one TV series and it being now the most commercially successful horror film in America. Um, so someone clearly had the rights to Gerald's Game and thought they'd get it out quickly and put it on Netflix, I think. So I so, remember reading Gerald's Game. Yeah, it's quite a famous up, one. I gave up because it's for, for like a, a rubbish version of Misery. Uh, there's similarities in that it's a bit like a play and it involves a bed and someone being tied to it. So that's well, a, no, no, I'm interested. Well, it, it does start off as a sex game, you see. That's what Gerald's Game is. It's a sex game. But this, the setup is um, that uh, a husband and wife, uh, Jesse and Gerald uh, Berli- Berlingame, 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 uh, Berlingame, the Burlinghams. The Burlinghams. They go on a cottage retreat where there's nobody around um, no, to try and rekindle their marriage. And Gerald wants to try uh, handcuffing his wife to the bed. And then she doesn't like it because it seems to tip over into him actually having a, a, some kind of rape fantasy. Uh. And they have an argument. And he ends up having a heart attack and dying. And she's trapped there, oh, chained to the bed. And the rest of it is, what the hell does she do? It um, sounds horrible. Well, it's a, it's a good setup for a story, and she starts to hallucinate characters that she talks to as well. So there, it's not just you know no dialogue from there on in. Um, and there's also a dog that she fed some steak to a what a stray dog that she fed some steak to earlier because she took sympathy on it. Wanders into the house as well, and it's there. So there's that threat the entire time of a hungry dog. Um, oh, not a friendly dog. Well, it's friendly at first, but it's still a wild animal, you know. Um, like Buddy. Like Buddy. If there was a dead guy on the floor, how long do you think it would take Buddy to yeah. before he started eating him? Yeah. How long do you think? Well, I don't know. How long do you think you always own it? Eight minutes. <laughs> eight minutes before Buddy starts eating him? Yeah. Buddy, you arsehole. Oh, <laughs> little man. Um... So, yes, this stars um, Carla Giugino, who is not Gina Carano. I make that mistake. <laughs> it's Carla Giugino, not Gina Carano. You say Gina? That? I don't know either of them. Carla Giugino is not Gina Carano. You've got a bit of a stutter there, mate. Carla Giugino is You're in still stuttering. Sin City. Carla Giugino. She's in Sin City. And, Carla uh, Gino? Uh, no, Giugino. There's a, there's a, there's a. Oh, it, that's actually her name. She's in Watchmen. Um, she's in uh, Sin City. She's in Night at the Museum, and it's Bruce Greenwood actually. Oh, I think I remember her from being. Uh, we see on IMDb. She was the um, ship voice in Batman vs Superman. Of Justice. course, she was. <laughs> She was the ship voice. Yeah, that's right. Yes, the ship voice. I remember the ship voice. Brilliant character, wasn't it? I would definitely voice. put that at the top. That that would be straight to the top. When of is mind. ship voice getting her own film? Yeah, that'd be good. Um. So anyway, uh, she plays uh, Jessie, and it basically it becomes a psychological thriller and uh, supernatural one as well where she because she's had no food and no water she starts to hallucinate and she thinks she sees a man she calls the moonlight man standing at the end of the room and but she can't be certain whether he is actually a prowler who was uh, broken into the flat uh, into the house or not and um, and she also uh, is examining 
the reason she has been so silent and submissive her whole life as well and the, so the reason she's got into this situation it's a very good short story it's nuts it's really mental and it only gets weirder as it goes along is very enjoyable but this does feel like a TV movie of that story okay. so the most interesting things in it are I think coming from Stephen King it's not shot particularly with any real art. It's no, it's got a bit of art to it around um, her memories of the eclipse and stuff, but nothing kind of incredible. And it all feels like it's done, been done slightly on the cheap. It's got quite a good um, IMDb rating of seven, which is all right. It's good. I would I would give it seven Davids. I think I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did not know the story of, of uh, Gerald's game. Um, and it's it's got some, you know, incredible moments in it as well, including um, Elliot from ET. Now as a gr- Elliot. Elliot. Now as a grown man, being uh, quite sinister. Henry Thomas. What is his name? Oh, I thought you had Tourette's. No, that's uh, Elliot from ET. Yeah, it's weird to see him being creepy. He was quite creepy in E.T. If you I guess he back. was, but he wasn't like this, mate. I mean, it'd be spoilers to tell you what he does, but I'll tell well, you after. He's not got alien in his cupboard, is I'll he? I'll tell you after. Shall I tell you now? Uh, but I'll cancel the recording, and then we'll carry on again after I've well, told you. Well, tell me afterwards now, I want to... No, I'll tell you now, and I'll cut this bit okay, out. Okay, sure, what do you do? So, oh, so God. That, that's what he does. Well, it's definitely worse than E.T. <laughs> it's definitely worse than E.T., isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's what happens if you hang around with aliens when you're a kid. I guess it is. You grow up to be a sort of um, sex offender. <laughs> well, that's a spoiler, isn't it? Well, there we go. Yeah. So, Gerald's Games on Netflix. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was it was weirdly enjoyable. And when you think it's ending, it keeps going. And I sometimes that really annoys me. That I've just got no, I get it. But no, it kept going and went somewhere. It was good. Do you think it would have been good if E.T. came back at the end to say it was disappointing? And Henry Thomas? <laughs> I think it would have been a fantastic ending to reveal just this is a story in the bigger <laughs> E.T. universe. He comes back and he goes, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> you are no friend of mine. And he points his finger at him. Yeah. You are no friend of mine anymore. That said, I am stranded again and I need you to help me uh, build a phone. Now, what he does is he gets him on the bike, he does a cycle thing again, and when he gets past the moon, he pushes him off. (laughs) See you later, you prick. Well, there's a moon connection there, isn't there? Because he's watching an eclipse. Is that what he does? Yeah. That's why he got excited when he watched the eclipse. That's it? Well. I mean, there's a few spoilers there, but I'm just assuming people are going to watch it. (laughs) It is good. I would recommend it. Seven Davids. Um, Well, that's it for this week. Uh, we are a bit low on letters as we said earlier so if you'd like to get in touch then go to filmfandango.com um, also we do all of this for free so if, if you have enjoyed the show and would like to donate towards our considerable running costs going to the cinema every week then go to filmfandango.com as well and click the donate button thank uh, you to everyone who has uh, we really appreciate it it's very helpful we do we we love to receive your notification emails telling us your names it's very nice we say them out loud and we sing a song about them and we take all our clothes off and clap our hands and say them three times <laughs> that's right that's right so if you'd like to, us to do that <laughs> for you I mean you don't get any proof we've done it but you'll know 
You just have a warm feeling. Just like we do afterwards. Yeah. When we do the last bit. That'll be the last donation we ever get then, won't it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, We'll be back next week. Keep Keep watching watching the the films. films. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.